Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 10 of Deadly Ever After. My name is Elizabeth, and I'm your host, joined, as always, by my co-host... Harry, that's me. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Okay, Harry, today I have a really, really amazing case. It's very famous. You've probably heard of it. It was all over the news, but... O.J. Simpson? No. Um, Please don't guess. You know, I hate when you guess, because you're always wrong. No, this this case is evergreen. It will always be fascinating. It has just such crazy details and characters and all sorts of wild twists and turns. Mm. Today's case... like our marriage, hey? <laughs> okay, that's... Yeah, no. A bit of it. So. Today's case is that of Jody Arias. Jody Arias was born on July 9th, 1980, in Salinas, California, the eldest of four children. While she was in high school, her parents, William and Sandra, moved their family to Wairika, a small town in Northern California, close to the Oregon border. The Ariases owned a Mexican restaurant and Jody worked there as a waitress, though journal entries of hers from this time detail that she was unhappy and felt as though she did not fit in in her new town. When Jody oh, turned... You know, I, I, I can appreciate that, being an Australian, you know, in a town with not that many other Australians, I'm, you know... You're making. I, I get a sense of where she's, you know, that I, I know that feeling. Okay, this is a new record, listeners. Uh, we've been recording for 45 seconds, and Harry has already sided with the criminal in the case. So, I think she could have been the victim, but you've just spoiled it for the listeners. Everyone knows who Jody are. I didn't spoil anything. When Jody turns, well, we don't know. It was victim, um, perpetrator. Keep keep listening, listeners. Keep, oh, can I redo that? Keep listening, listeners. That seems a bit. When Jody turned 17, she moved out of her parents' house and began living with a boyfriend. Her relationship with her parents was strained during this time, and friends would often call Jody's mother Sandra and tell her that Jody was, quote, mentally unwell and needed psychiatric help, which she did not receive. Jody developed an interest in photography at this point, and she wound up shooting a lot of weddings, just barely making enough money to support herself. Because I guess she probably quit the family restaurant. She's, you know, not talking to her parents. Yeah. And, you know, probably not making a lot of the restaurant anyway. Let's be fair. I Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like if you work at a family restaurant, yeah, they're not like probably not making a ton of money because most of the money is probably going back into the restaurant. You right. know, after a few years, she packed up and moved to Palm Desert, a city two and a half hours east of Los Angeles. And it's very close to Joshua Tree National Park. After subsisting on a low income for several years, Jody became interested in bolstering her income. So she joined a networking marketing company called Prepaid Legal Services, which provides people with a retainer of lawyers on hand in exchange for a monthly fee. And that sounds like something sketchy people would use. Yeah, I was th- why would you need that? Why would you, why would you always need a legal Planning to commit like some sort of crime. You need you need a bunch of lawyers on speed dial. Oh. Is that like le- legal insurance almost? Is that how it works, or is it? No, it says. It... I mean, it's. Yeah, I think it, it's you. Re- it's a retainer, so you have a lawyer just waiting for you're paying a lawyer to wait for your call and advise you on again the criminal act you've just committed. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. maybe next time we should research that a bit. Harry, I mean, next apologize time, to me. Totally. 
I apologize. Oh, that was sincere and heartfelt. Thank you. Learning more about PLS, as it was called, Jody attended a convention hosted by the company in September 2006 in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is where Jody Arias first laid eyes on Travis Alexander, a motivational speaker and top salesman at prepaid legal services. Successful and good-looking, Travis was an extremely popular person. He had dozens of friends who spoke highly of him and was regarded as flirtatious since he was also perpetually single. At the age of 29, Travis was looking for a woman he could marry, and at the prepaid legal conference in Las Vegas, Travis was introduced to Jody Arias outside of a rainforest cafe in the MGM Grand Hotel by a mutual friend. Travis invited her to the executive's dinner that evening as his guest, and according to those present, the pair had an electric chemistry. Unbeknownst to everyone around them, though, Jody was not single at the time. She was in a four-year-long relationship and had been constantly pressuring her boyfriend to propose to her. He, however, was a divorced single dad with no desire to get remarried. The night of the PLS conference, Jody and Travis hung out at the casino until 4 a.m. According to his friends, Travis told them all that he had met the girl he was going to marry. Jody. Yeah. Who, who else would it be? Uh, just clarifying for the listeners. That's they all. don't. They're tracking. They understand. After the weekend was over, the pair returned to their separate lives. Travis to Mesa, Arizona, and Jody to Palm Desert, California. They spent hours talking on the phone, continuing to forge a relationship, albeit a long-distance one. As the weeks passed, they took dozens of trips together, visiting Mexico and the Grand Canyon, Jody always photographing Travis and the places they went. She would post the pictures of them together all over her MySpace account. Travis emailed MySpace. Yeah. Do you remember MySpace? I didn't really use it that much. I just, you know, just the old selfie here and there. But it's funny how that just went, just went away all of a sudden, didn't it? Well, I think somebody bought it. I think like Mark Zuckerberg bought it and that's how they created Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I was just, I just found myself using it for a while and then suddenly you realize that no one else is, you know, it's kind of, you Sad. know, you feel like you. Yeah, a little bit. So, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, yeah. I just wonder if, if you know, if Jody also went through that same, that, you know, I don't want to predict the story, but she also, that was part of what happened to her. That she felt having... lonely using MySpace? No, Harry, that's not what happens to her. I'm just trying to, I'm just throwing ideas out there. I don't know this. You know, no, no need to stop. No need to shoot me down or anything. Just to... I, well, you're interrupting the flow of the podcast, so I do need to shoot you down because otherwise we would be here for hours. Travis emailed several of his friends about Jody, saying that she was an amazing girl and he would be lucky to have her in his life. Everything seemed perfect except for one small but important detail. Travis Alexander was a devout Mormon, and Jody Arias was not. One of the strongest tenets of the Mormon faith is that its followers will not have premarital sex, which Travis adhered to. Dating Jody was a challenge, given that she was a young and beautiful woman and he was deeply attracted to her. 
But Travis had recently turned 31, and most devout Mormons already have a wife and several children by that age, so Travis began feeling pressure to settle down. Sadly, he had fallen in love with someone outside his church, and he didn't want to lose Jody, so he began sending Mormon missionaries to Jody's house and quoting scripture to her during their late-night phone calls. That sounds kind of scary, right? Missionaries sent to your house? Hmm, but yeah, it's good. I don't know. There's a kind of romantic element to it as well. A bit like, you know, Romeo and Juliet. How is this like Romeo you know, and Juliet uh, at all? Uh, you know, you know, delivering a message, you know, from no. the heart. No. To late night calls. Not that kind of, you know. Calls. Harry, they didn't have telephones. Do you know when Romeo and Juliet takes place? It's like a long time ago. No, I mean, but Travis was calling Jody. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, but that was that related to Romeo and Juliet. Oh, uh, this. All right. Well, this is I'm trying to I, I'm trying to do a bit of foreshadowing. That's all. And you've just ruined it. How do you how can you foreshadow? You don't know what the story is. What do you? Well, you told me before that she's she was the perpetrator. Harry, are you trying to derail this episode? Shut up. Jody, describe so I've just oh, we got some feedback that we should do more for, foreshadowing. I, I didn't, I didn't see this feedback. Before. No, no, you're making that up. You're making that up. No, it was a word of mouth, but I, I just felt. Whose mouth? It. Harry, whose mouth? One of the listeners. Which listener? So, you keep going. We, you're right. We, you need to was it your mom? Was it Linda? Maybe. Well, she we'll, has we'll terrible We'll discuss taste. it afterwards. Well, no, we won't. We'll discuss it right now. Yeah. Did she yeah, say I mean, I'm a bad storyteller? I don't storyteller? know I don't want to say all the gripes she had with the show because then you're all gonna get all the upset. gripes. Then what you're gonna get upset, and then we're gonna get into a whole thing. All I'm saying is, and I this is something I agree with her that we should add a bit of foreshadowing. I know how to foreshadow. She doesn't know shit about making a podcast. I don't care about her feedback. She probably can't even wow. find the podcast app on her phone. You had to like email the episode to her. She she her feedback is meaningless. Mom, she doesn't mean that. She's not. Don't send your, this to her. Your, keep, you know, Harry. Keep those reviews coming in, Mom. Harry. And 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 no other and no other, you know, listeners that we we really appreciate. Jody described herself as a very spiritual person, and she was open to Travis educating her on Mormon principles. Only two months into their relationship, Jody decided to convert to Mormonism and proceeded to get baptized by Travis. On November 26, 2006. Does that count? Can anyone baptize anyone? I I don't know the tenets of Mormonism, but I mean, I don't know. He wouldn't have done it if it wasn't legit, because otherwise it would be like um, blasphemous, right? Mm. Fair enough. Okay. Travis had his reasons for being so devout. He had endured a difficult childhood. Growing up poor in Southern California... Travis's parents both suffered from serious drug addiction. His mother would go on four-day drug binges, leaving Travis and his brother Stephen to scrounge for food, often going hungry and living in squalor. After a while, the two kids ran away to live with their maternal grandmother, who gave them a higher quality of life and was herself a member of the Mormon church. Hmm. She introduced the boys... Trade off there, like better life, but you have to become a Mormon. Harry, that's offensive to Mormons. We might have Mormon listeners. 
fair enough. Apologize to the Mormon listeners. Yeah. Okay. This is to the Mormon listeners. I apologize. She introduced the boys to Mormonism in hopes of steering them away from the tragedies that befell their parents. Although one could argue it's like, you know, she probably raised one of their parents in Mormonism. So maybe that's what led them to being a drug addict. You know what I mean? Uh, but the chicken, chicken and egg. Scenario. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, she's, she's lucky that her grandkids didn't fall into that, but it's like, I mean, mm. you know, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it was, it is strange that his parents were, were um, out of control drug addicts and also Mormons, but I guess they weren't. Yeah, obviously. Drug addicts don't usually go to church. Unless it's like something insidious like pills. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of like housewives and house husbands that Mm. like have secret pill addictions and they could probably be going to church and no one would notice. That's probably happened. Right, right. Yeah. Undoubtedly, Jody and Travis's strongest bond was physical. Travis wrote candidly on his blog about feeling guilty and ashamed by his desires for Jody, striving to be the ideal Mormon. However, it seems that he fell short when it came to his girlfriend. Entries from Jody's journals describe the passionate sex they were having without guilt or shame on her part. Which is like, no kidding, she's just a an a-religious person so why would she feel guilt or shame you know unfortunately for jody her seduction of travis ultimately doomed their relationship travis was steadfast and unwavering in his resolve to marry a virginal mormon girl and though he loved jody she was anything but virginal therefore travis made the decision that he would never could never marry her This decision was strengthened over the course of several weeks when Jody did not limit her seduction of Travis to moments when they were alone. In interviews, Travis's roommates recounted the times when a group of them were lounging in Travis's hot tub in his backyard and Jody would try to straddle Travis or kiss his neck, making his friends supremely uncomfortable. Their opinions of Jody... That's a bit like... Never mind. A bit like who? We'll talk about it after the podcast. Harry, who's it a bit like? You gonna try to draw a parallel between me and Crazy Jody Arias? No, no, just the way your your friends react when I show affection when we go out, we go out, um, go out for dinner. Yeah, that's because your affection is creepy and overbearing. Okay. Their opinions of Jody slowly shifted after events like this, and they now found her weird, clingy, and controlling. Entries from Jody's journal at this time note her increasing desperation, not just to be Travis's girlfriend, but to become his fiance. Their relationship became plagued by insecurity. The tighter she tried to hold on to Travis, the less control she felt she had. Jody would follow Travis to the bathroom and wait for him outside the door. God, she's like a rescue dog. She read text messages on his phone, hacked into his Facebook, and logged into his email account and forwarded every email from a woman in Travis's inbox to her own email, just to triple check he was not cheating on her. This is like, this in a weird way, this is why women should be all police forces should be run by women. It's like when we put our minds to something, you know, we could solve 
any crime, any case. Right. It's so much yeah. work. That's a crazy amount of work. She already has a job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, true. I mean, so. yeah. I mean, I don't know if don't know if I advocate that more for okay. women in women in you know equality and what 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 have you, but I, I don't know if I wouldn't say it make makes sense that, you know, all all police officers should be, you know, suspicious women. I think that that's taking it a bit far, but yeah. Oh, Harry, spoken like someone with something to hide. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At one point, Jody invented a stalker, sending weird messages to her own email, claiming to be a man that was in love with her. See, now it gets kind of embarrassing. She showed the messages to Travis, who was concerned, but his friends were able to see through the lies. His roommates eventually sat Travis down without Jody and tried to make him see just how crazy she was. Midway through their conversation, his friends opened the door and found Jody eavesdropping on them. According to those present, Jody glared at them, rageful at their attempts to end her and Travis's relationship. Hmm. So, if I'm Travis's roommate, I'm in a lot of fear right now. Yeah, Jody could be listening. She, well, not could be. She is listening, obviously. God, they're lucky yeah. she's a photographer, and not like a sound recorder. She'd bug their house, you know. Mm. Jody could be listening to this podcast. She's not listening to this podcast. Oh no! Oh, is why? That foreshadowing? Have you, is that foreshadowing? Harry, she's no with us. Are you? You're really don't, trying to, Harry? Don't give it away. Stop interrupting me. By June 2007, Travis could not ignore Jody's obsessive behavior any longer, and he broke up with her. Jody responded to this by moving from Palm Desert, California to Mesa, Arizona to be closer to her ex-boyfriend. So this really scared Travis. It would really scare anyone, probably. And he repeatedly asked her to leave him alone and to leave Mesa. Yeah, that's a red flag. I mean, you've yeah, you've. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've yeah. talked about what we would do if we, it would never happen. But if if we ever separated, we've. Oh, I will be on the yeah. first Uber out of Rochester. You know that. You can have right. this place. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, no, I won't. I'll go back to Australia. For, yeah. Get so it. yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, no one wants to be in Rochester. So. Okay, because right. I I do feel like I need to caveat though. So it's like, um, because Jody's obviously. Uh, in Palm Desert, she's in a rental, and now she's mm. in Mesa, and she's in a rental, so she can, you know, she has the luxury; she can just like pack up her car and and go wherever. Travis owns a house; he owns like a pretty nice house in Mesa, so he mm. he like needs her to leave because he can't; he doesn't have that luxury. You know what I mean? Mm. Of course, Jody didn't respect Travis's requests. She moved into a house 10 minutes from his and would frequently show up unannounced at his home, sneaking in through the garage door since she still knew the code to get in. When he changed the code and that no, no longer worked, Jody resorted to crawling in through a doggy door. Well, that's, that's demeaning. Yeah. I mean, of her own choice, but yes, it is. Yeah. She's demeaning herself. Yes, she is. Well, not in, in her eyes. She's just like in love. There's nothing right. embarrassing about any of this. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't sneak through a doggy door for me. Absolutely not. I wouldn't even I wouldn't crawl through a window. I wouldn't break down a door. It's key or nothing. It's really 
if it doesn't fit, then I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm not gonna, yeah. Of course, yeah, I think so. Of course, Travis's responses were not consistent. At certain points, he would get angry with Jody, and at others, he would allow himself to once again be seduced by her, and they wound up having sex. Mm. So, so that's but, a, yeah. And I think part of that, you know, is is probably due to his um his sense of forgiveness, um, owing to his his strong Mormon faith, you know. So I do, you know. Yeah, maybe. Is... Yeah, yeah. He's trying to believe the best in her, but then that this is where religion gets really dangerous because it's like if he could just sleep with somebody else he could have rid himself of any you know she wouldn't have any like hold over him or any charm but it's like because he's the only this is the only person he's ever had sex with and in his mind the only person he can have sex with it's like you know what i mean that's a lot of power yeah to give her. Yeah, for, yeah true yeah. i just yeah i don't think i don't think we should judge religion too harshly though that's all what why not well you know i think you know who are we to say I'm I'm happy to say I'm Elizabeth and I'm happy to judge religion. Okay. Yeah. At the same time, Travis had begun actively dating women through the Mormon church, including a young woman named Lisa. Jody got wind of this relationship and terrorized Lisa, knocking on her windows and doors and then hiding in the yard. She followed Travis to Lisa's house and slashed the tires on his car on two separate occasions. Jody now, said, there, there could be another way to read that message, though. It's like, well, I'm fine with you and Lisa, and I, I want you guys to stay together. That's why I'm not letting you leave. No, well, unfortunately, Harry, this next bit's going to debunk that because Jody okay. sent an anonymous email to Lisa using weird religious language and condemning Lisa to an eternity in hell because of her acts of, quote, whoredom with Travis. Wow. And at Even this though point, Jody Jody could have done that because she she was now a member of the Mormon faith because Travis has baptized her, so that would have been yeah. But she's like a Mormon. She's still a whore. She can't, you know. She's um, because Lisa and Travis is that what you're going to say? A what? You were going to say a Mormon, were you? But that I don't think, I think that's, that's terrible, Harry. That's offensive. You you were the one who was going to say it. I'm glad you I wasn't going to say it. Don't put words in my mouth. Um, and this email obviously is bullshit because Lisa and Travis did not have a sexual relationship because they're both legit Mormons, not bullshit Mormons like Jody Arias. And Travis right. confronted Jody and she denied sending this email, but obviously she was lying because who else, you know, who else has a skin in the game other than Jody? Jody's journal had mentions of suicide from this time in her life. She stayed in Mesa for eight months before Travis was able to convince her to move back to her parents' house in California. And again, just a real lack of uh, of self-esteem here. That's pretty embarrassing. Like, not only are you stalking me in a different state, just move in, move into your parents' basement and get away from me. Despite this renewed distance, Jody continued to call Travis and leave sexually explicit messages for him, trying once again to seduce him. Despite this, both of them started new relationships with other people. Travis met a devout Mormon named Mimi, while Jody met a man named Ryan Burns, who was also a Mormon and lived in Utah. Jody's journal entries around this time still continued to mention Travis. 
The pair had phone sex a few times, which Jody recorded unbeknownst to Travis, which I'm pretty sure is a crime, but. Phone sex? No, Harry, recording someone unbeknownst to them. Oh, okay. Although phone sex is probably a crime in the Mormon church. Right, right. Yeah. She recorded one such phone call from May 2008, almost a year after she had left Arizona. And it is speculated that Jody recorded these conversations to blackmail Travis. In June 2008, Jody arranged a road trip to visit her boyfriend Ryan in Salt Lake City. Around the same time, Travis invited Mimi on a company retreat to Cancun, Mexico. God, what is this company and why are they taking retreats? And also, he loves mixing his relationships with work. Yeah. Why doesn't your school ever have company retreats to Cancun? Oh, not Cancun, but we, you know, we go on, we go on excursions sometimes. Well, yeah, those are field trips. That's different. The children are there and you can't drink on them. Yeah, but that's yeah. still, you know, still paid for travel. Yeah, across the river to Niagara Falls. Ew. The, the, the kids enjoyed it. And, you know, if I could have, if I could have brought you, I would have, you know, because I know you, 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 you love going on trips, you know, but, you know. It's just the way it is. I don't want to go to Canada. That's not a place where I would want to go. I'd rather go to Mexico. Hmm. Travis's friends were also attending the retreat, and they flew out a few days early. They planned some excursions for themselves and included Travis and Mimi while they were in Mexico. And they tried in vain to reach Travis, leaving voicemails and texts, but his phone continually went to voicemail. Eventually, Travis missed an important conference call, and that was when his friends knew something had to be wrong. On June 9th, 2008, Travis's friends' concerns reached a boiling point. They had been unable to contact him for five days. Friends in Mesa drove to Travis's house and knocked on the door, which no one answered. They let themselves in via the garage and saw that one of Travis's roommates was home. When they asked his roommate, Zach, if he had seen Travis recently, Zach replied that Travis was in Mexico, so they hadn't spoken, and Zach didn't really think anything of it. His friends replied that Travis was supposed to leave for Mexico the following day, and this prompted Zach to retrieve the key to Travis's bedroom, and they unlocked the door. So again, Travis owns this, like, huge, beautiful house, and I think he lives like in the master suite that has like maybe its own separate entrance and it's kind of, you know, it's a little bit removed from the rest of the house. So because right, right. people have speculated like, oh, how could you not know that your roommate's like missing? But I think, mm. you know, Travis had roommates to like probably help pay, pay the mortgage on this house. But he also like the way the house was laid out, he had probably like a great deal of freedom and you know what I mean? And privacy. So. Right, right. Yeah, in case except, you were except for the doggy, the doggy door. Well, yeah, that's they. I'm sure they nailed that shut after Jody. You know, or I guess you probably have to get a new door, right? You can't nail. There's no, right? How would you fill in a doggy door? Um, oh, just a plank of wood. Just yeah, that looks ugly though. Probably. No, you do it from the inside, so that from the outside it just looks like a doggy door. I know, but, but from but from the inside doggy... it probably looks really ugly. But that doesn't, there's, you know, if if people don't say it's all right. Oh, God. See, this is why this is why we don't live in a nice house, because you don't care how things look. The cheapest and easiest way to get things done, always. 
Okay, you, well, you're you're in charge of the de interior decoration. I mean, that's not interior decoration, Harry. That's construction. There's wood and nails. That's your department. Immediately after unlocking his door, his friends were hit by an overwhelming smell of decay, and they saw a trail of blood leading from the bedroom into the master bathroom. Walking into the bathroom, they found Travis's naked, bloody body in the shower. He had clearly been dead for several days. Police arrived at Travis's house and canvassed the crime scene. Nothing was missing, so investigators immediately ruled out robbery as a motive. As they examined Travis's body, police saw that he had sustained so many knife wounds that they actually could not accurately count them all. His throat was slit from ear to ear, and police determined that this was a personal, passionate murder. The medical examiner found a bullet wound in his head, and police found a small silver shell casing on the floor of Travis's bedroom. Police also saw that the bed had been stripped of its sheets, so cops made their way to the laundry room. They saw very faint traces of blood on the washing machine lid and opened it. Inside, they found a digital camera. Hours after hmm. Travis's body was discovered, Jody Arias called Mesa police detectives, asking for information on the investigation. So, that's crazy town right there. Because it, it wasn't in the news or anything, she, but she called them anyways. That would... Yeah, like they, this is, no one knows except for like the people who found the body and the and the police detectives. And she is many states away being like, Ring, ring. Hey, did you guys find that body I left you? Yeah, that's. Especially yeah, how, did she try to, how did she try to play that off? I mean, what, what, well, I'll tell you, Harry, what, but also keep in mind, they they broke up a year earlier. So it's not like, you know, why the fuck does she care? This is not his current girlfriend, like looks uh, very suspicious from the police's point of view. Right, right. Jody asked detectives how Travis died and what kind of weapon was used, which the police told her they couldn't answer. Jody said she had last spoken to Travis a week previously while she was on a road trip to Utah to visit her boyfriend. Travis's friends explicitly told police to investigate Jody because of their tumultuous relationship, which Jody vehemently denied, saying that she wasn't anywhere near Mesa when Travis died. Hmm. While on the phone with police, Jody downplayed her relationship with Travis, saying they were more akin to fuck buddies than boyfriend and girlfriend, which is obviously, you know, untrue. Jody did confide in the police right. that she and Travis because had still been. Mormon. Well, no, I mean, like, they've broken up, but like, it's not. She's trying to be like, oh, no, we're we we have casual sex. I'm not like, you know, I'm not we're not in love. I don't have feelings. I don't have hard feelings. And it's like, that's all extremely not true she wanted to marry this guy yeah right jody did confide in the police that she and travis had still been having sex on the side unbeknownst to everyone in travis's life probably also unbeknownst to his new mormon girlfriend do, do we know if that's true or is that just jo um, do you think jody made that up or? no i think that there's evidence of that i'll get into it later okay Jody Arias drove to Mesa, Arizona for Travis's memorial service held at the Mormon church. All of Travis's friends and family thought it was very weird that Jody was in attendance, given how their relationship had ended on such poor terms. 
While in Arizona, Jody also went to the police station and agreed to submit her fingerprints and DNA in order to cooperate with the investigation. And detectives were able to match her fingerprints to a bloody handprint that had been found at the scene of the crime. While police were awaiting the results of the DNA tests, a forensic investigator was able to retrieve photos from the memory card of the camera found in the washing machine at Travis's house. The photos were taken just prior to Travis's attack, time stamped and dated from the day of the murder. There were naked pictures of Jody and Travis in bed together around 2 p.m. on June 4th on the memory card, as well as photos of Travis in the shower taken around 5.30 p.m. on the same day. So does that answer your question, Harry? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they were, I guess, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they still they were still going at it. Mm-hmm. To to the end. Yeah, she had a real strong hold on him, unfortunately. Detectives immediately knew that Jody had lied to them, and she was obviously at Travis's house the day he died. Additional photos allowed police to speculate that the camera had fallen onto the floor during the murder and continued taking pictures. One such photo showed Travis bleeding out of a wound on the back of his head with someone's leg and foot in the foreground, timestamped just before 6 p.m. on June 4th. In mid-July, the results of the palm print found at the scene of the crime arrived, and the blood matched that of both Travis Alexander and Jody Arias. Police now had concrete evidence that tied Jody directly to the murder. On July 15, 2008, Mesa police drove to Wairika, California to retrieve Jody, arresting her and bringing her back to Arizona. Police interviewed her, asking about her whereabouts during the attack. She reiterated her story about taking a road trip to Utah. However, by her own admission, she said she left California on Wednesday and did not arrive in Salt Lake City until Thursday. And that uh, doesn't make a lot of sense because California and Utah um, are not far away from one another. So, Mm. Travis, of course, was killed on Wednesday. When pressed by the police, Jody claimed that her phone died and she got lost on the way to Utah, which accounted for the lost time. Police interviewed Ryan Burns, and he said that when Jody arrived at his house, she had newly dyed brown hair, and she acted normally, immediately diving into a sexual relationship with him throughout the course of her visit. So this is like, you can kind of see she's a bit of a one-trick pony when it comes to these, these Mormon dudes. Right, right. That's kind of what she brings to the table. Yeah. It just seems like, you know, just got got that taste for Mormon dudes. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what her deal is, like why she can't just date a non-religious person. And then, you know, this all could have been avoided, but. Or, you know, try it, try different religions even, you know. Well, I mean, if the, if Mormonism isn't working, I mean, where is she going to go? There's no like laid back religion. So I I don't want to ju- I don't want to jump ahead to Yes, much, you do. But... You love jumping ahead. Well, well it, okay. I I won't say it then. No, we've already you've already interrupted the flow. Just say it. What what do you want to know? Does just to be clear, like is 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 Jody does she end up taking taking Ryan's life as well? No. Ryan's fine. Ryan's safe in Salt Lake City. Okay. 
Around this time, police uncovered a report Jody's grandparents had filed, citing a 12-gauge gun that had gone missing from their house in June 2008. Detectives told Jody during her interrogation that a 12-gauge was the exact kind of gun that was used to, to kill Travis. Eventually, detectives pulled out the photos of Jody in Travis's bed from Wednesday, June 4th. Looking at these nude photos, Jody said, quote, that looks like me. The detective. No, then... I just want to I just want to tell the listeners that don't look for these photos online. Harry, you won't, be, you won't be able to find them. Oh, God, you're a creep. Well, I'm saying don't don't do it, guys, because you don't you, you don't be, do you it. Be... We're recording this on your work laptop, Harry. Yeah, but I, I couldn't fi- I couldn't find them. So I'm going to say yeah. you won't be oh able to find them. That's because there's probably a firewall that prevents you from like looking at porn, looking at like, you know, yeah, naked uh, murderers. God. Yeah, but the, well, that's that, exactly. It's like either either they're going to come up and they would have come up or they, or you have to go to some place on the dark web to find them. Oh, and they're Jesus. probably Harry? so Harry, horrible you that you wouldn't want to see go them. to the dark web you're gonna get fired they're gonna see i'm, not, like I'm telling the audience not to go to the dark web oh jesus they're not gonna go to the dark web you like need special software to go to the dark web can't just google doesn't take you there no i i heard if you take the sim card out of your phone you can um you, you can heard who told you this I haven't tried it, so I, but I just want to say, Please listen, don't. like with all of these cases, there is what you know. We 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 we're, we always go to pain, great pains to make sure that we bring you know um, what's the. Word? I have never once visited the dark web in the name of research, Harry, and I hope to God that you haven't either. That is so sketchy. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying don't do it. They don't need to be told not to do it. They were never going to do it. You're okay. obviously wanting to do it. No. The detective then told Jody that her palm prints matched those from the crime scene and that he knew she was guilty. Jody Arias did not confess, but continued to feign denial. The detective left Jody for a minute, and while she was alone in the interrogation room, being videotaped, though she didn't know that at the time, she immediately launched into some strange yoga poses first doing a backbend in the chair she was sitting in. She then sang a verse from Oh Holy Night, the Christmas Carol, getting onto the carpeted floor afterwards and doing a headstand against the wall of the room. She sat back down in the chair and said aloud to herself, quote, You should have at least done your makeup, Jody. Gosh. Hmm. So... So, I mean, yeah. if anything, this this shows that she's not that concerned. With and... what? Oh, with Travis? Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, well, no, well, it, if, I, if I was a detective, I would think, well, she should be more panicked if she was the actual murderer, but she's probably, you know. Uh, maybe, I think. Like, I know I... she's, I know the evidence that she she was guilty. I know that, but like. I'm saying that's not a bad move if you are trying to show your innocence to start doing weird things that look like you're not, you know. No, I think I I couldn't, could not disagree more. She's acting like a fucking weirdo because that's, that's her way of showing panic. She's like, up, I'm going to jail. 
for a murder I absolutely committed. Uh, what to do, what to do. And then she starts singing. And it shows that she's really concerned with how she's going to look in her mugshot. Because she knows she's about to be photographed, mm. which is the which is the makeup comment. Oh, right. She knows that okay. she's about to be on the fucking five o'clock news. And she's like, I should have done my makeup. Fuck. That makes sense. Uh, to that end. Can we? Or, sorry, 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 Elizabeth. But I'm just concerned that my my previous comment was um, uh, kind of stupid. Well, so all of your comments are stupid, Harry. It doesn't matter. She even asked the detective if she could put makeup on before getting her mugshot taken. See, uh, but the detective declined and said she would be photographed as she was. And Harry, if mm. you want to Google this, you can. This one will show up. Okay. She was smiling in her mugshot. But really? Yes. Let me have a, let's have a look at this. After being arrested and spending one night in jail, Jody Arias changed her story, claiming that she had killed Travis, but only because he had held a gun to her head first. She told the detective she arrived at Travis's house at 3 a.m., went to sleep, had sex, and photographed him while he was in the shower. Jody then claimed they were the victims of a home invasion that two people dressed all in black broke into Travis's house and attacked him. She claimed not to be able to remember anything except Travis screaming, and she was knocked out for a few minutes. She claimed she fought a masked woman who had a knife and then a gun, and Jody tried to leave and bring Travis with her, but he was too mortally wounded, inventing dialogue and details. She said the masked man took her car registration out of her wallet and told her that if she ever told anyone about the attack, he would murder her entire family. Uh, so that's why she. Yeah. S sitting in the interrogation room with Jody, the detective tried not to laugh as he listened to this completely fabricated story. The media reported on this untrue version of events and dubbed it, quote, the ninja story. I mean, yeah, you would have to be a stupid person to think like this makes. No, if you are the unfortunate victim of a home invasion, if they kill someone in the house, it's like they don't no, criminals don't leave witnesses. So if anyone's ever like, yeah, they shot my my boyfriend, Travis, in the head and then looked at me and told me in a stern voice, don't you ever tell anyone? It's like they're just going to kill you, too. So, right. That's right. Um, a red flag. If uh, any and listeners, if you come across anyone with such a story. True. And particularly, you know, I'm just I'm I'm just looking at Jody's mugshot now. And if criminals were to break into her house and see her, they would they would know just instantly she's out of her mind just by looking at her. So there'd be there'd be no way they could trust her anyway, even if they did decide to do that. So definitely they would have, you know, killed her too. But I I, I will say though that yeah, I, I agree that the smile is weird, but she she doesn't look too bad with without makeup. Anyway, wow. so Harry, you know, I don't know why she's worried about that. Keep it in your pants for Jody Arias. Thanks so much. The detective asked why she didn't report Travis's murder to the police, choosing instead to drive straight to Ryan Burns's house in Utah. Jody claimed she was too afraid. Um, so the police dismissed Jody and she was sent back to jail after they realized that she was never going to admit to the murder, despite mountains of evidence. Jody Arias spent four years in jail awaiting trial. While there, she won a singing contest performing her favorite, Oh Holy Night, yet again. She granted numerous media interviews while behind bars, confidently proclaiming her innocence to anyone who would listen. 
The trial of Jody Arias began in January 2013. Reporters and spectators waited in droves outside the courthouse. Media reports focused on how different Jody looked. Her hair, once bright blonde, was long, dark brown, and shapeless with bangs, and she now sported rather thick, unsexy glasses. She claimed her hair had simply grown out, saying, quote, they don't sell Clairol hair dye in jail, and that her vision had deteriorated, so she needed glasses to see. But these were viewed by most as attempts to downplay her attractiveness, manipulate the jury, and gain sympathy. And you know what? I really take offense at the reports that having long, dark, um, somewhat shapeless hair is unattractive. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the most, you know. Yeah. I I think that's one of your, your best features. Thank you. I mean, I will agree bangs are fucking heinous on anyone except for like children. But otherwise, that's really a weird thing to say. The state of Arizona sought the death penalty against Jody Arias, confident that they had plenty of evidence to convict her. They claimed that she stole a gun from her grandparents' house and drove to Arizona, plotting the murder throughout her drive. Prosecutors speculated that she dyed her hair brown prior to arriving in Mesa so that neighbors would not recognize her as, quote, that blonde if they happened to catch her coming in or out of Travis's house. And that's really, I think, genius on their part, because I'm sure like if she's she's insane uh, and she's been acting insane for many years. So it's like the neighbors have have they seen her pull her doggy door trick like they probably, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Travis and Jody got like in screaming matches in the driveway. Like so, um, I think, yeah, yeah, I'm sure like, you know, you might change your hair color, but the fact you, you're entering through the doggy door is probably a, a sign that a dead giveaway. Yeah. But I just like that. I think that's very like clever that prosecutors thought of that. Cause again, it's like he lives, he lives in that house. He probably, he doesn't live like in a, in a city that's, you know, where you can be anonymous, like his neighbors know him. Right. And they probably, mm-hmm. yeah, they would have recognized her. Anyway, she filled three gas cans and put them in the trunk of her car. And her cell phone was turned off while she drove from Wairika to Arizona, hoping to avoid using a credit card or having an electronic trail of her location all of which led the prosecution to believe the crime was premeditated. Again, I think that's pretty fabulous um, detective work because, you know, it's like, yeah, who, if you're on a road trip, who brings their own gas? You just stop at a gas station. But then again, you could go to a gas station and just use cash, you know, but most gas stations have video cameras. So. And true. Yeah. And then again, sometime, you know, in Jody's defense, Turning your phone off while you're driving is um, responsible. No, you're not tempted to check it, check messages, and also if you've got, if you've got like a you know an iPhone six like me, the battery life is terrible. So you do. Okay, well, Harry, this is not a forum for you to complain about things in your life. You can leave it plugged in while you're driving. Everyone leaves their phone on. It's like you use Google Maps. How the what is she using a fucking Rand McNally? giant roadmap i mean she probably doesn't need a map because she's done this drive a million times because she was stalking travis for two years but right yeah, yeah i think you're don't... just proving my point no i'm not no i'm not she it's really sketchy that she turned her phone off i think that's crazy well you know some people aren't addicted to their phones some people oh aren't non-stop what harry whatever as if you aren't constantly watching netflix on your phone you watch Here. Netflix on your phone? You watch Netflix on your phone. 
Oh, I, I just watch reels on my phone. And, and YouTube and all sorts of like, just because I spend my time on my phone in a different way than you doesn't mean that you're less addicted than I am. Hmm. You know what? That makes sense. This is why when we, when we have movie nights, you've seen everything. And I'm like, how have you seen it? Because you've been watching, watching movies on your phone. I didn't realize I don't watch, you. I don't watch movies on my phone. I have a giant television in my she shed. I don't need to watch them on my phone. Oh, uh, so you, so you're, you're watching. Okay. Yeah, I mean, why does well, it matter if I've seen something that you haven't? I can still enjoy it with you the second time around. Yeah, but it's not. It's more fun if we discover it together, you know? I don't think so. I think I, because if I don't like the movie, then that's very stressful for me. So I need to like, like vet everything, especially if it's your choice, because you tend to pick movies that, no offense, I hate. Well, no offense, but your controlling behavior about the TV is a bit... You can't just say no offense and then say really offensive things. God, are are you in middle school? No, no offense, but I think you're in you're in elementary school. Oh my, you're married to a child. Listeners, heard it here first. Police then introduced the photographs Jody took of Travis into evidence, following the timestamps of each one. A picture of Travis facing the camera taken at 5.29 p.m. on June 4th being the last photo of him alive. Prosecutors allege that Jody then dropped the camera, picked up a knife, and stabbed him. Travis staggered out of the shower and coughed up blood in the sink and on the mirror. Meanwhile, Jody continued to stab him in the back. Travis tried to get away from Jody falling onto the carpet in his bedroom doorway where Jody pounced on top of him and slit his throat. She dragged him. Yeah. She dragged him back into the bathroom, retrieved the stolen gun and shot him in the head. So like the very definition of overkill Mm. on February 4th, 2013 at Jody's insistence, she took the stand in her own defense and that is also the hallmark of an just a batshit crazy person. If you're, you know, if your lawyer tells you like not to get on the stand and you you insist and you think that you're smarter than everyone, it's like that is not good. Uh, she let's, deb- let's say how let's say how it pans out though. <laughs> okay, she debuted a new version of events. This time, claiming to be a victim of domestic abuse. Jody now claims she had suffered violence and abuse early in her childhood at the hands of her parents, which is widely believed to be untrue. Questioned by the prosecution, Jody admitted to killing Travis, saying that he attacked her first and it was self-defense. While on the stand, Jody claimed that Travis physically assaulted Jody four times during the course of their relationship, although there wasn't any concrete evidence to confirm this. She also said he subjected her to sodomy because he believed that this would not violate the rules regarding premarital sex and Mormonism. So basically, she's playing every angle to undermine Travis's character and reputation, even mm-hmm. claiming to have walked in on Travis masturbating to a photo of a little boy. Though this is like completely unsubstantiated and everyone knows that it's a lie. So that's pretty like disgusting. You know what I mean? She'll just say she'll say anything about anyone. 
And the defense played a recorded session of explicit phone sex between Travis and Jody in a courtroom full of Travis's friends and family, most of whom were devout Mormons. Yeah, so that's also extremely upsetting. Um, And this, of course, was done to try to convey to the jury that Travis Alexander was not the upstanding moral citizen everyone claimed he was. On June 4th, 2008... Jody said in her testimony that after having sex, she was taking photos of Travis in the shower, which is also like, why would you do that? But okay. When she accidentally dropped the camera, which sent Travis spiraling into a rage, he got out of the shower. It was her camera anyway, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, why? I mean, why does he care? But according to her, he was so mad that he got out of the shower, screamed that she was, quote, a stupid idiot and body slammed her onto the tile floor in the bathroom. Jody claimed she tried to flee, fearing for her life, as she had allegedly done many times over the course of their relationship, as if she wasn't totally obsessed with this guy. Mm, She ran into the master bedroom, but he chased her, saying he was going to kill her. She ran into the closet where Travis kept a twenty-five caliber gun, grabbed it, and turned around, at which point Travis had grabbed Jody around the waist. To use her language, Jody said the gun, quote, went off and a bullet went through his right temple. She claimed she couldn't remember anything else and that she had blacked out for the rest of the day, only coming to hours later and finding herself driving through the desert. Her testimony lasted 18 days, after which both sides rested. 18 days? Huh? Of just her talking about what happened? Yeah, because I think she like she has this whole new story and all these bullshit allegations against him and her family to work through. And then plus she can, she's getting questioned by the prosecution and then she can get like re cross examined again by her defense attorney. Oh, uh, so, right. Okay. And be, I mean, and because she's adding all these bullshit like fact like uh, fictitious details, you know, they like they have a lot to like call her on. You know what I mean? Mm, right. Hundreds of people gathered outside the courthouse awaiting the verdict. Because, again, this was a humongous trial. Obviously, it's like, you know, she's insane. Um, So a lot of media attention. And, I mean, it was in the media for four years before she even went to trial. So there's a lot of um, anticipation. Mm -hmm. After only 15 hours of deliberation, the jury found Jodi Arias guilty of first-degree murder. The crowds outside burst into applause and cheering as the news spread. After the verdict was read, Jody addressed the jury and begged them not to recommend the death penalty. Dry-eyed, she read a laundry list of goals she hoped to achieve in prison, even talking about designing merchandise for survivors of domestic abuse, even though she wasn't one, holding up a t-shirt she had designed for the jury to see. A plain white v-neck with the word survivor printed across the front in purple cursive. So. That's that's really tasteless. She's, it's embarrassing to be Jodi Arias. Let me tell you. Right. In May. That that makes, that makes our merch seem really classy. Well, our merch is really classy, but yeah, she's, uh, I mean, it's also just like, don't, imagine begging a jury not to kill you because it's like i have so much left to achieve it's like all right well you're a murderer so you might have you should have thought about your laundry list of goals before you killed this guy you know what i mean yeah 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 and also also it's it's a bit like you know like if you're if you're gonna say that 
that you like if anything that's in yeah in, encouraging like if you're gonna say if you if you said like oh you know i'm you know i've got nothing to live for blah 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 then that's a bit more pathetic and maybe yeah engenders a bit more sympathy right but if right i was so desperate if you're like oh let me you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah, you're exactly. like oh yeah i'm gonna enjoy myself it's I, like, yeah. wow, no, we, def- we definitely want the death penalty for you now, you know? Yeah, Travis can't enjoy himself, so why? Yeah. Yeah. She's, again, moral of the story, she is lunatico. I mean, as obviously, you would have to be to do any of these things, like to commit the murder she committed and also just to say any of the shit that she said and to lie to the police and, you know. Yoga pose in the interrogation. Yo- yeah, and like, yeah. you know, uh accuse your dead your murdered ex-boyfriend of being a pedophile like just like these are they're all crazy all these things are fucking crazy in may 2013 the jury voted on jody's verdict and eight jurors were in favor of the death penalty while four were against it a new trial was held to determine what jody's fate would be and that jury voted 11 to 1 in favor of the death penalty but in order for the sentence to be carried out, the vote must be unanimous. So after two mistrials, Jody Arias was sentenced to life behind bars at the age of 26 to be carried out in the Perryville prison in Goodyear, Arizona. So that's also when the, when she did all this, she's like 21, you know, like she was really, um, really young when she met him. So to be right. sentenced behind, I mean, like, you're 26 and you're sentenced to life it's like wow you have a good good 60 to 70 years in prison to look forward to is life always life or is is it just sometimes life doesn't mean life right well it depends on the crime if you're jody aria's life i mean she'll never who who's gonna release her she's uh you know i mean because you could you could pull a michael peterson he was also sentenced to life maybe but then he had like an alfred plea or something so I don't know. Mm. Or maybe he wasn't sentenced to life. I can't remember. That was a, a lot of cases ago. But right. yes, sometimes you can get out of it. But she she's too notorious. And like, you know what I mean? They just the evidence against her is so rock solid that there's no way. Mm. In October 2019, her defense attorney submitted an appeal for a new trial based on alleged misconduct on behalf of the prosecution. On March 24th, 2020, the Court of Appeals denied Jody's motions and ruled that her conviction will be upheld, citing, quote, the overwhelming evidence of her guilt. Yeah, see, I mean, there was literally photographs of her killing him, you know? Yeah, it's not good. No. Juan Martinez, the prosecutor in Jody's trial, was disbarred in July 2020 after it came to light that he had leaked confidential information to a member of the media that he was having an affair with. But this was unrelated um, to Jody Arias's case. Oh, okay. Jody Arias also. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say he was having an affair with Jody Arias. That would. Be... Oh yeah, wouldn't that be a twist? Wouldn't that be? Right. I mean, if anyone would, it would be her, right? Mm. Jody Arias also filed a lawsuit against her former attorney Kirk Nurmi after he published a book in 2015 painting an unflattering portrait of working with Arias during the trial. I mean, no, again, anyone that has, if, even if you've watched like a 2020, it's like, yeah, of course, she's, she's unflattering portrait. Yeah, she's like a lunatic, a murderous lunatic. Mm. Jody claimed that Nermi violated ethical conduct by writing a tell-all book. 
Kirk Nermy was willfully disbarred, saying it was worth losing his license to avoid any more drama with Jody Arias. So also let the let the gravity of that sink in. He's like he would rather lose his his license to like practice law than like interact with this chick anymore. Hmm. Jody Arias has been good, in good, good for him. Good for him that she's behind bars because yeah seriously not an enemy you want to make no jody arias has been in prison for the last 14 years and she turned 40 years old in july of last year it is rumored that she has had boyfriends while incarcerated and has entertained the idea of getting married in a new documentary on discovery plus entitled if i can't have you jody arias's cellmate details how jody flirts with prison guards in order to get special treatment in jail and how unpopular this has made Jody among other inmates. Okay, listeners. So yeah, nice, uh, nice gossipy drama filled uh, note there to end on. But Harry, mm. that was the case of Jody Arias thoughts. Yeah. feelings. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I feeling pretty know, lucky you married to me, huh? Yeah, it definitely makes me, um, no, well, no, yeah, it makes me appreciate that you've got a good head on your shoulders, you know? Like, you, you yeah, nothing, you're nothing compared to her. You, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you know. On the yeah. crazy, on the crazy. In the crazy sky. Physically, yeah, yeah. I'm much hotter than Jodi Arias. So, not that that matters. No, no, you know, you don't, yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah she was, uh, yeah, she's out of her mind. And, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it's a bit, bit ironic that her favorite her favorite song is oh holy night as well when you know really her you know her failure to um live up to any of the mormon tenets that she uh she held dearly i know yeah i mean maybe she was raised in some really loose sect of christianity because it's like i don't know why she would be so attracted to that song it's not reported so i don't think she grew up religious but i mean maybe there's a church church choir there in her childhood somewhere right 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 bizarre yeah yeah no no it was a yeah it's interesting story and i think you know i think we i think you know you did a great job thank you yeah i I agree you know well done that was that was great and i think you know i think um you know like we've been getting that those feedback from listeners and we appreciate it and you know we have got that you know, I think some people commented about how we were bickering a bit too much and getting into fights. So I think we're well. They don't listeners. No people. People love that we're real. They appreciate that this is a real marriage, and we're not like exactly these other fake ass podcasts hosted by people pretending to be happy. Exactly. You know, yeah. Well, we're we're happy. Well, but but we but it's just it's a warts and all kind of experience. But I do oh, that's think a that, hideous ew, Harry. It's a hideous expression. Please don't ever say uh, that again. Uh, yeah well you know sorry i forgot your your um yeah i know that's a trigger word for you but um Harry? no but oh actually i don't want i'm not going to argue about this because i think we we're definitely on the right track in terms of um yeah like keeping the bickering down a bit and you know i'm looking forward to just wrapping up this series on a on a on a real positive note and hopefully we, there's no more um yeah, we have a nice, smooth uh, podcast like this one. 
Absolutely. We have two more episodes until the end of season one. So listeners, um, just keep on listening, download, you know, subscribe to Deadly Ever After on iTunes, Stitcher. It's, you know, it's everywhere at this point. Um, rate and review us. Please email us if you have something to say. Our address is uh, Deadly Ever After Podcast at gmail.com and join our Patreon. Follow us on Instagram. Harry, am I missing anything? Um, merch. Please do get merch. Oh, yeah. Um, please do get the merch. Yeah. Yeah. That, that helps a lot. Yeah. Gives, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, until next week, listeners. Deadly ever after. Bye.